Good morning. That was very hearty. It's always nice to see the audience awake. A little caveat before I begin this sermon. I wrote it when it was much colder outside. So if all of you can picture all the snow we had as though it was still there, imagine that you came in bundled up as much as you could and that any exposed bits of skin were tingling. We'll put you in the right mindset. I have always loved winter. Ever since I was a little kid, the frost on the air, the nip on my nose, and the quiet stillness of snow has always entranced me. Then, many years ago, I read Watership Down by Richard Adams. Nice. All right, I appreciate that, Woo. It is a fantastic book. And it tells the engaging story of a group of rabbits looking for a new place to live after their own warren has been destroyed by construction. This odyssey takes several seasons, and at one point, Adams writes the following. Many human beings say they enjoy the winter, but what they really enjoy is feeling proof against it. For them, there is no winter food problem. They have fires and warm clothes. The winter cannot hurt them and therefore increases their sense of cleverness and security. For birds and animals, as for the poor, winter is another matter. Rabbits, like most wild animals, suffer hardship. I have to say, Adams was right. I don't actually love winter. I have been caught outside, inappropriately attired, more often than I care to admit, especially since moving up to these northern climates. What I love is knowing that I can survive winter. I like the crackling fires that keep the cold at bay. I like the lights that carry the power of the sun deep into the night. And I like all those layers of winter clothes that allow me to protect my warmth. I like knowing that I have the tools to be resilient in the face of winter. Resilience, the ability to handle adversity and come out of it unbroken and whole is an incredible skill. And I say skill because resilience is a psychological concept has been studied in depth for several years now, and all the research suggests that resilience can be taught and trained, which is great news. Who among us would not want to be more resilient? Who would not want to face a challenge and emerge strong, if not stronger? When we hear of people who face overwhelming odds and somehow manage to thrive, we often envy those people. But those people can be us and we can be them. The key is having what psychologists refer to as an internal locus of control. If we can believe that we, and not our circumstances, affect our achievement, then we can build more of this internal belief in our own power, and through that, resilience. Now, this does not mean that resilience equals delusion 
we need to be honest about the circumstances that affect us. And resilience is not ignoring the hard realities of our limitations. It is about seeing our very real limitations and then marshalling all the resources that we still yet have to attain something. Those resources being your friends, your family, your faith. At my old job as a wilderness therapy field guide, which I'm aware that I return to this job every time I preach here, so I feel like you guys sort of have gone through the program at this point. Part of my duty was to teach folks how to have an internal locus of control. And one way we did this was very simple. We gave them two sticks and told them, create fire. Now, however you hard you may think it is to create fire via friction with two sticks in the middle of the desert, it's at least four or five times harder. As a therapeutic tool, there is almost nothing that is more guaranteed to make a bunch of kids feel incredibly frustrated and angry than trying to create fire through friction. Limitations have to be faced. You cannot simply wish a spark to come into being. And you will not succeed the first time, the second time, or the 15th time. It normally takes about three weeks of good, hard practice before you get a single tiny glowing ember. Inevitably, there is a moment of frustration when it seems like no matter what, there will never be fire again. And in this moment, there are three reactions. The first is kids react by breaking their sticks in half and throwing them in the woods. You, up here in Cambridge, might be more familiar with this impulse when it comes to golf. Some kids react by shutting down. They just go comatose, don't talk, and just silently seethe. But some kids react in accordance to the words of our anthem this morning and slow down. They take a break. They switch task, and more often than not, end up helping a neighbor try to create their fire. And maybe they don't make the actual ember, but they gather the bark to make the nest, they split the wood into kindling, and they shield those tiny embers from the wind. So the fire is theirs as well. Earlier this month, in the midst of the snowstorm we had, I found myself reflecting on those words from Watership Down. My heat had failed and my apartment was cold. And when I say cold, I mean refrigerator cold. Not figuratively, literally. Most, most residential refrigerators are between 33 degrees and 39 degrees. My apartment was a crisp 36, right in the middle there. On top of this, my roommates were gone, my partner was several states away, and I was alone in a refrigerator. I was feeling quite blue. That is also figurative and literal. And I was being completely unproductive 
and to be blunt, a little bit of a sad sack. I was mainly lying in my bed, mumbling why me, and trying to get even more blankets on top of myself. But eventually, I had enough, and I went on a walk. After all, what did I have to lose? Wasn't much colder outside. And on my walk through blustery wind, limited visibility, and knee-high snowdrifts, something fantastic happened. I helped folks. Within the space of an hour and a half, I was able to help in three very ordinary circumstances. It started when soon into my walk, I was flagged down by an older woman outside of a women's shelter. She explained that she had a bad back and asked for assistance in shoveling the entrance to the shelter. It was an easy job. I finished in about 10 minutes, and I felt incredibly proud. And I was resolved to offer more assistance to more people. So, as I continued my walk, I offered almost everyone who I saw performing some snow-related difficulty if I could help. More often than not, people simply said, thank you, but I'm okay, and I moved on. But my offers were accepted twice more. First, I saw a mom taking photos of her children and their first real snowman. I offered to take a photo so that she could be in the photo with her family, as opposed to just having snow mom. And then we ended up having a 15-minute family photo shoot. And then at the end of my walk, I came upon one of those blind hills where you can't see what's going down at the bottom until you've already crested it. Unfortunately, at the bottom of this hill was a very small car with very large items in it and a man trying desperately to get that small car up the snowy hill trying and failing. I spent the sunset standing at the top, flagging down drivers so that they would slow down and not hit the car below. All three of these tasks were easy to do, required no special skills, and made a concrete difference for other people. All in all, ordinary. Yet when I came home, I was a new me. I was ready to face the cold refrigerators of both my apartment and my isolation. I took care of several things I had been putting off, cleaned the house, cooked a wonderful dinner. To be fair, cooked that dinner while covered in three parkas. I had returned with a new source of resilience. My circumstances had not changed. If anything, my apartment was now colder than it had been earlier that day. But I felt like I was in control of myself and my outlook. I often struggle with positive feelings during city winters, but I rode that positive feeling from three ordinary acts that took an hour and a half for at least a solid week, maybe a week and a half. I felt like I could answer the stranger that was mentioned by T.S. Eliot's words earlier this morning. I could say this city was a community. Now, of course, community is not only found in cities. To return to the Utah high desert, where I was teaching people how to make friction fires, it was also cold in the winter. Our sleeping bags had to be rated to a negative 40 degree Fahrenheit survival rating. 
and every minute it took to create fire seemed like an eternity. Eventually, though, someone would succeed. And when that happened, there were two groups of folks who earlier had stepped back from attempting to create an ember. The kids who had stepped back and shut down or run off would suddenly start to warm up. But the clients who had stepped back as an individual and then stepped up as community members would be just as happy as the person who actually made the coal. These kids helped their neighbors realize their limitations. They learned they might not be making a fire that night or the next, but they recognized a key aspect of community, that it is okay to work as a team by helping others gather fire materials they were contributing and powering that heat. And in the end, you could see their internal locus of control getting stronger, even if they could not light a fire by themselves. By helping, they were in control. Our reading today has the line, nobody can make it out here alone. And let me tell you, if you are by yourself in the middle of the Utah high desert, and you are on your own, you will not make it. Resilience is a trainable skill, and like any other habit, it is a fire. You start small. You create one glowing ember. To tie back into Adam's sermon, at the beginning of the year, you make your New Year's resolve with that ember. And when you are in the dark, that ember holds in it an entire world of possibility. You gently wrap that small light in a nest made of bark and grass. You blow on it, but carefully, so as not to blow it out. Eventually, the nest catches, and you have a ball of fire. But it has to be fed. But if you feed it right, in a while, it can handle anything you throw at it. Kindling resilience is hard. Feeding resilience is hard. And you have to do it correctly. If you try to move from a coal to a bonfire, your coal will die. And you will be left in the dark cold with nothing to comfort you. In that moment, if you are by yourself, you're done. But if you are with a group, just switch to helping someone else. It is a lot easier to kindle your own flame when you are warmed by another's. In the quote from Watership Down, Adams points out that it is not only animals that recognize winter as a season of deprivation. So too do the most vulnerable among us. For many, the winter is a time of cold, hard choices. In other words, a time for resilience. Folks who get through the winter without heat a stable job, or the security of housing have to be resilient in a quantifiably and qualitatively different way than those of us without their stressors. For us, facing the cold can be enjoyable. I still get excited to go camping when the temperature drops below zero. It is an opportunity for me to experience that sense of cleverness and security. For those of us who are privileged to experience winter resilience as a joy, 
we have an opportunity to increase our resilience as a whole by helping others. And in the winter, the volunteer opportunities are endless. Our own Y2Y shelter always needs volunteers. The sanctuary community is always looking for folks. Donations of warm food and warm clothes can always be used. There are a million ways to power your own, resistance, own resilience by helping others. But always remember that everything you do should empower others. Follow the lead of those who ask for assistance. Don't assume you know how to help. The takeaway from today's sermon is this. When it seems hard to light your own fire, that's okay. Stop. Help someone else with theirs. In a community, we can all, we can all create bonfires of resilience a lot easier than by ourselves. It is hard to be resilient. It is hard to face the cold, snowy winters of our lives. But it can help to take a break from our own challenges. Listen to the call of worship this morning and speak the language of love with others. Help others overcome their challenges and train yourself so that you may overcome yours. Amen and Amin.